Welcome to my podcast, In the Know. My series of interviews with amazing people doing amazing things as I travel around the world of no tell. Welcome to In the Know. Today I've got John Gaunt, formerly of The Economist Group and now a podcasting media extraordinaire. He was interviewing me today for his show about the augmented dot city. But I got a few tips from a guy that's put 120 episodes in the can on my journey. My journey to make the world's largest media property. Thank you, John. Well, thank you, Amal. You have no idea what we're talking about. Neither does any guest anytime I bring him on to my special podcast. But uh, the briefing notes are I started uh, noticing that I bump into really interesting people all the time. Mm-hmm. I assume this happens to you, too. Yes. And I thought, let me capitalize on these special opportunities. How shall I do it? Maybe I'll make a podcast. Isn't that what everybody's doing these days? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With uneven results, perhaps. And so when I, when I got going on it, I thought, well, cool. What am I going to ask all these geniuses about? Why don't I just ask them about how to make an amazing and successful podcast? So I got going. I spoke to a few journalists. I spoke to Amy Cuddy, who gave me the name mm-hmm. in the know. A little bit of a pun on no-tell, the mm-hmm. name. And uh, I've been getting advice from, you know, the one of the producers of the TED films from Kevin Ryan, who started Guilt and MongoDB mm-hmm. and all these amazing people. And now I have the privilege of talking to somebody who actually has some idea of what we're talking about. John Gott, <laughs> you are, I think, the biggest podcasting media entrepreneur that I know. Okay, well, first, we will, you definitely need to raise your game. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, um, I, started, I, I started in print. Uh, I worked for the Economist Group, and that's where I did my apprenticeship. It's a classic British system, which is we're going to show you once, and it's your problem if you don't remember. Um, <laughs> it's a, let's put it this way. It's not an easy way, but it's a pretty solid way to learn your craft. And one of the things I noticed was that over time, it took the same amount of energy and hassle to get that final sit down with the principal uh, person I needed to interview. And then 98% of all that conversation either ended up in my vault or on the proverbial cutting room floor. And one of the things that drew me to audio was I realized I could flip that thing around and take an approach to where I'm going to squeeze so many different kinds of assets out of a conversation because A, People are biologically wired to listen to conversation more than read analytic text. I've read good analytic text, and it can be a pleasure, but that's only because I'm a dweeb about very narrow areas. So if they're writing into that, I can appreciate crap. But just in general, I'll list, I have much more uh, willingness to listen outside my direct benefit or my direct interest to a conversation than to grab the scraps of reading. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and probably like minutes of your life spent listening versus minutes of your life spent reading. People probably consume a lot more through listening. Well, just on I'm a global all, basis, you know? I'm also an insufferable foodie at home. I have a, a basically, I have a commercial, the equivalent of a commercial kitchen in my house because that's, that, for me and my wife, that's our happy place. And actually, audio is a pitch-perfect 3D media to have because we can be in the middle of the activity having the conversation, having our smart speaker playing in the background. And, uh, and I realize, especially in this day and age where exclusive attention is extreme luxury, 
having media that is native to a partial attention environment is actually an effective way of getting your voice, uh, getting your messages out. Yeah, so I guess there's two or three really nice ideas in there. One is you're reaffirming my thought that it's, it's a worthwhile thing to do some audio, podcast, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then the second actually re- really resonates with one of my key kind of life principles, which is whatever you do should produce visible work as yeah. opposed to invisible work. You know, the people who have these long, complicated messages sitting in their drafts folder, they're just sitting in the drafts or the cutting room or in their vault or in their file or in the whatever. Mm. And like, you got to ship. And if you don't ship, you never get the warm sunshine of customer reaction, momentum, other people's engagement. You can't take steps and build. And so I think the experience I guess you had listening to all these big shots when you were interviewing them for The Economist was like, dude, I spoke, I spoke to this person for hours. I traveled to see them and I get like one sentence into my print piece. Yeah, and then the, and then that one I need to fight for well, with, with with my editor. But let's also flip around to where what's some of the what's some of the learning curve. And uh, my producer is upstairs right now having um, having some food. But he was really adamant in the first get go. He said, "If you're going to go down this path, you can pretty much write off your first." 20% of everything if you, you produce. It's like if no one does stand-up comedy perfect uh, on the first time. I see. You're gonna you're gonna suck. Embrace it. And then especially if you're trying to do long form more of an expository or audio mm-hmm. essay, you really have to start making uh, the change for uh, writing for audio. Because when I first started out and I was reading he, he said, oh, man. This is really boring. He, he, no, he said, you sound like one of those BBC announcers in the 30s. <laughs> so because it, I was vocalizing my written voice. Mm. They're different voices. And that, if, I, if there was any you know, kind of step one for, uh, for, for someone who wants to write expository or basically perform expository audio, is that you have to get over that they are different voices, how you write and how you speak is going to be uh, very different. So you've produced in this series, uh, Augmented Cities. Mm-hmm. It's called The Augmented Dot the City. Augmented, yeah, The Augmented Dot City. If people word. want to go find it, The Augmented Dot City. Um, you've put up 120 uh, interviews and podcast episodes, Correct. something like that. So at this point, you're you're into your 10,000 hours of the Ericsson line about expertise, you know. Uh, uh, yeah, I've sucked at scale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and so the first 20 or 30 percent, you're saying was was tough, and it was a process of learning. One of the big learnings was this: um, you got to write for audio. Now I want some feedback on my approach here. It's a sneak attack. I didn't tell you anything about what I'm doing. I totally just improvise these, and <clears throat> as a result, maybe they're not that tight. Or like, w- what's your feeling about the true, the tr- like the real conversation? Because we are having now a real conversation Correct. where you have you don't even know which way it's going. I haven't scripted too much, versus the voiceover parts. Okay. Well, there's also two two things. You're trying to make a living different from me. So uh, if you if if you are looking at audio, and, I, and I'm careful to use the term audio to sort of future-proof it over, over podcasting, which is an, an Apple tune that's from 19, no, I'm sorry, 2005. Um, yeah, wasn't if, that uh, Adam Curry, the MTV VJ, who like coined the term? Oh. <clears throat> I remember the early days, he, he, he registered podcast.com or something like that, and there was this weird hack with iPods. It was a weird, and it was, it was just this invisible little problem, not a problem child for Apple, because it wasn't big enough, but now they're like, oh wow, they grew up. Yeah. But fundamentally, you can look at audio as an effective way for engaging all those interesting people that, that, that you meet, 
but trying to now be a professional creator with audio is a different kettle of fish. And it's not just simply the equipment that you mm -hmm. use, but as you said, it's, it's about shipping. I mean, I look at, uh, I've got many people, they'll write and say, you know, hey, I want to be a journalist and something. I'm like, hey, fantastic, you know. Start. Go, go do it. Yeah. You know, and they're like, oh, what's your secret? I go, show up, publish, <laughs> rinse, repeat. Yeah. You know, there's a, there, there's a bit of that because it's that constant kind of iteration, tinkering, and trial and error. I mean, so uh -huh. to, give, to give you an example, we, uh, we did a five-part series on new mobility. Each episode was about a half hour. And it was a combination of uh, expository uh, content that I wrote along with interview bites. You know, kind of like your classic um, in-depth NPR story. Well, there's the production aspect of that, of, of getting that content together, but then there's also the recording aspect. And what we mm -hmm. were finding was that um, to get the best recording without the bobbles or the conversation stuff, to basically be able to tell an audio story we were taking uh, in print 24 point type, two paragraphs, and I would read it as best as possible, just like re reading your line, and then literally lay the sheet down and take a 15 second pause because especially let's say that you've written, I don't know, uh, 2,500 words. You get seven or 800 words there, you don't realize, but your short term memory becomes like a cache and your cache is full. Oh. And the, the, the propensity, you can, you can track it. Your first five minutes of reading, and you're on a roll, you're like, man, this stuff is it, it's, it's clicking, it's going great. And then by like minute nine and minute 11, you're cussing at yourself because you're bobbling over. Stuff. And uh, so my producer would just say, step back, clear the cache. And that's what he's saying. He's like, clear, clear the cache, don't worry about the final product, worry about that one sheet. And so, you know, fortunately I'm a heavy recycler. But uh, I was finding it would, as opposed to writing it. Yeah, this is really interesting. Form. So this is good advice for me. At some point, I, I guess I got to get to some more, uh, you know, expository content on these things. Do you think I need to? Or do you think just this laid back interview style is going to get me far enough? Because remember, I'm trying to build How the biggest media on? property in the world. And wow. I'm just in my early going here. So it's just been a couple months. I've done 15 of these. You're, I think you're number 16 or something like that. Uh, get up, uh, stay with what you're doing and double your output. After, epi after, after episode 30, mm -hmm. do a uh, two-part series. Oh, try that. Part right. one, part two. And uh, what's, what's nice about doing the two parts is that if you try to do it all in one, you would cram it, you would sweat over it, and then there's other times just to say, hey, it's part two. Amazing. Okay. And that's how we ended up with part five of mobility, <laughs> mobility stuff because it's like no one's going to listen to a four-hour podcast. Okay, so next question, and this is related to a comment that you're making here, but it's another one of the principles I like a lot, which is always be shipping. A little bit different from visible work. Visible work means make something, get something, but mm -hmm. always be shipping means always. Yeah. So you're always releasing. And one of the approaches that I've, I've taken on, on, on this series is I'm recording with some pretty crappy but very simple equipment mm -hmm. that I always have in my bag. So when the moment strikes, I can shoot, as they say about the best cameras, the one you have, and my, the best recording equipment is the stuff I have. So I'm using it. It's not amazing, but I have it. Then what I do is I save it and I send it immediately to uh, an editor who I've got that works with me. And the editor has a few bits and pieces, like the intro, outro, some music, things like that. And she will piece it together and get it back to me in like a day. Then uh, I guess I need to like 
Oh, no, and, and now I've even got it hooked up so I can, like, post it as a blog post on my WordPress, and it's a podcast, and it gets to, to Apple. Mm-hmm. So my plan here is to be able to, like, record and have it be live within three or four days. And mm-hmm. this is my always-be-shipping approach. There's not a lot of post-production. I don't even listen to it, honestly, before I publish it. I just record, save, send. Mm-hmm. Give me some reactions. Is it too fast? Am I being sloppy? Or is this just me putting hours under my belt? I think for right, for right now, get the hours under your belt. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the nice things about collecting a whole bunch of interviews is that um, you can also stage them because we'll publish weekly. And let's say I come to South by and I get 10 interviews. Mm-hmm. Well, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to uh, publish those, those interviews because then we've now got four weeks of content in the can that, well, while that's happening, I'm writing the long form stuff. Awesome. And oh, and then you might piece back together those and interviews then, yeah, into and some documentary format. So, so, you know, one of the things that's also very, you know, has been very important, I'm going to speak a little bit about legal IP. When I did all my journalism and my writing for people like The Economist Group, Gigaome, Marketer, and stuff like that, I can say I wrote it, but it's not my work. It's theirs. Oh, yeah. Because it was work for hire. So, the first thing I realized in podcasts is like, well, wait a minute. If I spend a year and change interviewing people and now I've got IP that I can repurpose and I can make derivative products I can curate content around that I can create entire in, entire properties and so in showing not just simply the content but also the methodology um, we are actually in, com- in, in competition to help one of the, the country's leading national laboratories basically let their scientists start to express it's not Bill, Bill Nye the science guy stuff but these, this national laboratory has recognized that they need to get their communication out of just the peer review um, spe- spe- spectrum oh, wow. and they're looking at audio again as that initial gateway experience which can then lead to the next the, the next stage which would be like a, a summary type paper and then links to the scientists and then eventually yeah you'll get to the peer review stuff yeah how interesting how interesting so, John, I have a last topic for you that I want to investigate. If this thing's going to be big, I need to market it well. I need mm-hmm. to come up with some kind of rhythm and some kind of measurement for, for how it's going on my followers and subscribers and all that. And so maybe you can help me think about it. So far, I'm doing my series zero. So I have my little sure. zero series and I've been publishing them. I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I haven't even checked if a lot of people have watched. I don't think so. That's, I think no, I, I, no, I tweeted them. That's, that's a good, the first, uh, for, for a long time, don't check it. Oh, I see. Just be thick-skinned and just Shrug, keep swimming. Keep swimming. Because <clears throat> you'll find when will it pop? Yeah, when will it pop? When, when is something going to happen? Will I eventually get like a really big name? Or like, how, how do I get this from zero to somewhere bigger? And, uh, you know, how long should it take? And what should I expect? Give me some, help me navigate. Like, how'd it go for you? You did 120. Did a lot of people listen to number one, number 10, number 50? Well, even now we're finding um, as we build more shows, we get more unique stats. For it's like, we cut that show in first quarter of 2017 and it's getting picked up. Because remember, after you build your portfolio, then if you start mapping it to the news cycle, oh, I see. A bit, a bit Eventually more, it's timely. Okay. There's, a very fa- there's a very famous story about the, uh, the picture of Bill Clinton hung- hugging Monica Lewinsky. And that, that famous picture that everyone saw, the person who shot that was an old curmudgeon post reporter who used chemical film 
and everybody else had had all their fancy new digital cameras. And so it was another Tuesday, you know, or whatever day of the week it was, the White House receiving one. So all the people with digital said, yeah, there's nothing here. They erased. Oh, snap. Fast, fast forward the news cycle a year and a half, and suddenly it's the most valuable image out there, and it's the dude who had, a, who had that old Perry Mason kind of strips of chemical film who had the picture. That's amazing. And so one of the things to really look at in your content inventory is that it's not one and done. Mm -hmm. It's also make sure that as you have really focused around an area and built a nice portfolio around it, you start looking at the news cycle and say, oh, yeah, yeah, we talked about that six months ago. Oh, and now you can add a little bit on top of it to bring it up to oh, the Oh, I see you rerun it and give it a new intro or something. Yeah. And, or, or basically just... Just make a little two-minute stub uh -huh. to, 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 to say, this is what I think about what happened last week. And by the way, six months ago, we, oh, we, interviewed, the newsmaker. we, we yeah. interviewed this newsmaker. How cool. Okay, and, that's great advice. And so should I use these newsmakers? Should I get them to be like retweeting? Or are there any like mechanics of the marketing that I ought to be thinking about? Or I should just publish, publish, publish? Do, and, more, do more live events at, at Natal and, uh, and do live podcasts. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for all the advice, John. Yep. And uh, thank you for being on In The Know.